Hey creeps, I'm Taylor and this is TGI Crime Day. Welcome to TGI Crime Day. Today's episode is a follow-up to an episode that I posted last summer about the murder of Jared Brightigan. I am going to link that episode in the show notes so that you can very easily find the first part of this case so that you can get familiar with Jared's case and get caught up as to what happened last summer. Obviously, since I did that episode, there have been some very major updates and huge wins for Jared's family, but they still have a very long road ahead of them to actually get justice for Jared. Jared's wife, Kirsten, and his whole family have shown the most incredible strength and bravery in the last almost year and a half as they fight for his justice. And I personally think that that strength and bravery was something that the monsters who did this weren't expecting. In my opinion, I think they expected this family to just accept that this was a tragedy and not ask any questions. And that just goes to show how absolutely stupid, horrendous, evil and a whole list of other words I would love to call them, but I will definitely get flagged on YouTube for, so I will leave those words in my head. But you get the idea, and I'm sure that you're thinking all the same things I am. To give you a quick refresher from part one, I'm not going to go too far into depth here since I covered a lot in part one. Again, context is very important, and there is a lot that you need to understand about this case to understand what's going on currently, so watch or listen to that episode first if you haven't already. So as a quick refresher, Jared Brightigan had twins with his ex-wife Shanna Gardner-Fernandez. They were nine years old when Jared was killed. Jared and Kirsten have two daughters together, Bexley, who was two at the time, and London, who was just eight months old at the time of Jared's death. Over the years, they went through a custody battle that was exhausting for everyone involved, and Shanna was constantly coming up with reasons for them to go back to court and to continue fighting. Jared and Shanna shared custody of the twins, and if I understand correctly, they would spend one week at their dad's and then one week at their mom's and so on, but on Wednesday nights, the opposite parent would pick them up for a little family date night so that they didn't have to go a full week without seeing the twins. February 16th, 2022 was one of those date nights. It was a week that Abby and Liam were staying with their mom, so Jared picked them up and took them for dinner and ice cream. Bexley went along with them, and Kirsten stayed home with their younger daughter, London. Normally, all of them would go out, but London was only eight months old at that time, and they were trying to get her on a good sleep schedule, so Kirsten stayed home that night. After dinner, Jared dropped off the twins, tucked them in, and told them goodnight, and then he and Bexley headed home. However, as he made his way out of Shanna's neighborhood toward the highway along a dark stretch of road where there were no houses, Jared was attacked. Police later found a tire in the middle of the road, and it's assumed that Jared saw this tire, put his hazards on, and then got out of the car to go and move the tire because that's the kind of person that he was. And obviously that tire wasn't there on the way to Shanna's house, but it was there just in time for him to see it on his way back. Coincidence? Not likely. No one thought it was a coincidence from day one. Jared was then shot multiple times in front of their two-year-old daughter, Bexley, who was thankfully physically unharmed, but left terrified and screaming in her car seat. Luckily, Bexley was only alone for a few minutes when a good Samaritan passed the scene and stayed with her until the Jacksonville police were able to get there and take her safely to the police station. In the aftermath, there was only a little bit of information that could be given to the public about what happened because, like I said, they were on a stretch of highway where there were no houses around, but a camera near this area caught a blue Ford F-150 speeding through the neighborhood, and this was the first clue that was shared with the public in the hopes of identifying the person responsible for Jared's death. 
After Jared's murder, Shanna and the people close to her made some strange choices, to say the least. First of all, she didn't allow Abby and Liam to attend their father's funeral or any of the memorials that were set up for him, and Jared's family has not been able to see them at all since Jared's death. So not only did this family lose Jared, they lost Abby and Liam, who they all love and care for deeply. There is a lot more to Shanna's side of all of this, which I will get into after we talk about a couple of other important updates. I posted my first episode about Jared Brightigan on July 29th, 2022, and a lot has happened since then. And as I mentioned, there is more in-depth details about Shanna and her family's choices. I, oh, I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to rant. I'm not going to do it. But man, I want to. I, I have so many things. In the past year and few months since Jared's death, his family has done their best to honor his memory, um, including a beautiful service project that they did the month of Jared's birthday, and Kirsten has created an incredible nonprofit called the Brightigan Foundation. The Brightigan Foundation supplies Bexley boxes to police stations. When Bexley was taken to the police station while they pieced together who Jared was and got into contact with Kirsten, Bexley was terrified and she was at this police station with no one that she knew. She didn't have the correct size diapers or even a sippy cup to use at the police station. The officers did what they could to comfort her and take care of her, but she was in a very traumatic situation without the necessities that a toddler needs. So the Bexley box is set up with Bexley approved items like snacks, books, blankets, and things like that to comfort children in situations where they are at the police station um, with or without their parents. It's a really, really beautiful idea and so needed. And I just feel like this shows the type of person that Kirsten and the whole Brightigan family is. They're wonderful. They care about people. I will have their website linked in the show notes, or you can donate directly at brightiganfoundation.org and follow them on Instagram at the Brightigan Foundation. So while Jared's family was doing incredible, beautiful things, while somehow dealing with this trauma, grief, and heartache, the people responsible for putting this beautiful family through hell were just out living life, acting like everything was fine. But like I said in the first episode, no one is as smart as they think they are, and the people responsible are being arrested one by one as the dots are connected. On January 25th, 2023, almost an entire year after Jared's murder, the first arrest was made. A man named Henry Tennant was arrested and charged with second-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, accessory after the fact, and child abuse. Henry Tennant is 61 years old, and from the moment he was arrested, police said that they didn't believe for a second that he worked alone and was definitely part of a bigger conspiracy to ambush Jared on his way home from Shanna's house. State attorney Melissa Nelson said the charge of accessory after the fact was based on, quote, Henry Tennant's actions in the days after Jared's murder, end quote. In the first press conference, they didn't release a lot of details because obviously this is an ongoing case and building the case against the other people involved has to be done in a very particular and strategic way, otherwise the whole case could get thrown out. So there wasn't a lot of information released right away, but they did connect a dot as to how Henry was even connected to Jared. And as it turns out, the only connection that Henry had to Jared at the time of his murder is that Henry Tenen was renting a home that was owned by Mario Fernandez Saldana, Shanna's current husband. It would be pretty outrageous to think that it's a coincidence that someone who has no other connections to Jared outside of his connection to his ex-wife and her current husband just happened to take it upon himself to ambush Jared on his way home from Shanna's house, which is a route that only certain people knew he would be taking. It's not a coincidence, and there's nothing that anyone could ever say to make me believe that that was a coincidence. It also came out later 
that Henry, in fact, did own a Ford F-150 matching the description of the truck seen on surveillance shortly after Jared's murder. Henry Tennant had actually been in jail since August of 2022 on an unrelated charge of driving with a suspended license and possession of a weapon or ammunition as a convicted felon. On February 13, 2023, just three days before the year mark of Jared's murder, Henry appeared in court for his arraignment hearing and pled not guilty. After his arraignment hearing, Kirsten and some of Jared's other family members did a press interview that was really heartbreaking, but very powerful to watch. Um, it was incredibly moving. And I said this one million times when I talked about this case in the first place, and I will say it a million more. Kirsten is one of the bravest people I have ever seen, and her ability to be in front of cameras doing interviews in the calm and beautiful way that she does, it is astounding. Along with the rest of the Bridegan family, they are all incredible. And they should never have even been put into a position where they even have to put on a brave face for the cameras. No one deserves to go through this, but they have handled it with the most grace and class. I, I just, it's astounding. Anyways, Kirsten spoke in an interview that I'm going to link in the description of this episode because it's worth listening to the whole thing. I would love to include clips here, but I worry about copyright issues so I will just summarize some of the things that she said, but I highly recommend that you go and listen to that full interview. First, Kirsten addressed how thankful the whole family was for the police work that has been done so far and the hard work put in by everyone at every level. Kirsten also included a message to Henry's family, telling them that they were in the bride against prayers and that she couldn't imagine the pain that they were also feeling during all of this. To Henry, she said, quote, If you get to hear this, please choose now to do the right thing. Please help us receive justice sooner than later and allow us and your own family to move forward and focus on healing as quickly as possible. Please help us end this nightmare we are living every single day, end quote. According to an article on Jacksonville.com, Henry Tennant had many previous charges between 1998 and 2022 while he was living in Florida, ranging from driving while intoxicated to driving with a suspended license to trespassing and even domestic battery. As I said before, he originally pled not guilty However, on March 16th, 2023, Henry Tennant took a plea deal and pled guilty to second-degree murder with a weapon. As part of his plea agreement, the charges for conspiracy to commit murder, accessory after the fact, and child abuse were all dropped. Tennant confessed that he was the one who pulled the trigger, and he agreed to testify against the people he worked with to carry out the murder. Because he took a plea deal, he will be sentenced to at least 15 years in prison for that second-degree murder charge. I don't know what made him change his mind, but I, for one, am so glad that he took that plea deal, even though it gave him a lesser sentence, but that might be worth it if they are then able to go and arrest the other people involved who deserve to spend the rest of their lives in prison. After Henry's court hearing, a judge signed the arrest warrant for Mario Fernandez Saldana, and he was arrested that same day. A wonderful win for the Bridegan family. Mario was charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, solicitation to a capital felony, and child abuse. And just to clarify, that child abuse charge that Henry was facing originally and the charge against Mario is because of the danger that they caused to two-year-old Bexley, who was in the car at the time of Jared's murder. Each of those charges held sentences between five years in prison up to life in prison, and for that first-degree murder charge, he could be facing the death penalty. In the press conference where they announced Mario's arrest, State Attorney Melissa Nelson said, quote, Our investigation remains active and ongoing, and it has not stopped today with the arrest of Mario Fernandez Saldana. We all remain committed to seeking the truth, and that is the entire truth, and holding accountable every single individual involved, end quote. Beautifully said, that also shows 
that there is a momentum happening and that there are other people who I hope are sweating because they are going to get arrested at some point. Obviously, there is so much happening behind the scenes to build this case and to get it ready for trial. Again, there is probably a mountain of evidence that has not been released because everything has to line up perfectly so that no one can weasel out of these charges. But here is what has been released so far. The arrest affidavit shows that Henry's financial records show three different handwritten checks written by Mario in October of 2022, and phone records show that Mario and Henry communicated 35 times in February, 30 times in March, and between five and nine times in May and June. There is a lot that is redacted in the arrest affidavit that I'm sure will come out sooner or later. I told you, I told you there's always a paper trail. There's always breadcrumbs. People think they can get away with these things and it's like they just completely forget about technology. Thank goodness, because 35 times is a lot. If I had to contact my landlord 35 times in one month, I would move out. So I think we can maybe guess that allegedly there was more to those conversations than just house stuff. On April 4th, 2023, at his arraignment hearing, Mario pled not guilty on the four charges, which means that he will be going to trial for this. On May 3rd, 2023, the state announced in a court hearing that they will be pursuing the death penalty for Mario's case. Kirsten said, quote, The announcement today is another significant step toward justice. The knowledge that the state is pursuing the death penalty for Mario Fernandez Saldana is welcome news because it signifies determination and the relentless pursuit of justice for Jared, our family, and the community. We aren't backing down to those involved in the heinous, cold-blooded murder of my husband in front of our daughter. I take comfort knowing that Abby and Liam are no longer living with Mario, and I hope all evil surrounding them and our family will be removed in due time, end quote. The investigators have said multiple times that this case is ongoing and still being investigated, so a specific motive has not been announced yet, but Mario's arrest warrant said, quote, The investigation into Bridegan's background revealed a highly acrimonious divorce from his ex-wife, Shanna Gardner, and a contentious relationship with both Gardner and Fernandez Saldana, end quote. There isn't a lot of public information out about Mario or his past. Um, I'm sure more of that will come out as they continue the investigation and court process. As far as things go with Shanna, she has not been named a suspect or person of interest, and I talked quite a bit about her behavior after Jared's murder in my first video, so I'm not going to be going into a ton of detail again here. Again, if you didn't already, go watch that first one so that you're caught up, but let's just go over a few things that have happened since I posted that episode last summer. Apparently, in September of 2022, Shanna moved with her twins to a $1 million six-bedroom home in Washington that was purchased by her parents. And if you remember from part one, Shanna's parents are extremely wealthy and have always given her all of the money and the things that she could ever need, which is fine. Do what you want with your money. We all wish our parents could buy us a million dollar home. They just also happened to hire a very expensive criminal defense attorney for her right after Jared's death. I, it's really generous. From what I understand, Mario stayed in Florida when Shanna moved with Abby and Liam, which was devastating to the Bridegan family for them to move away. Kirsten said that she worried a lot about the twins, having to deal with losing their dad in the most horrific way possible, only to then be cut off from their school, their friends, their sports teams, and most importantly, family who loved them. Again, from part one of this case, you probably remember the absolutely disturbing quote-unquote celebration of life that the gardeners threw at their beachfront home where everyone was photographed smiling and laughing and having a great time like it was just a backyard barbecue. Shelly posted all about it on her blog, referring to Jared's murder as, quote, an unexpected passing. 
And people, understandably, were shocked and confused at this attitude towards this tragedy. There were a lot of comments on that blog post calling out this weird behavior, and Shelly just deletes them and blocks people and keeps her little bubble of everything is great going on and on, which is her right to do, okay? I get that. Shanna has only done a handful of interviews, and one of them at the beginning of the investigation, she said, quote, Even though we didn't get along, he was the father of my kids, and I would never want this to happen to anybody, end quote. I do think that a lot of people are very surprised, myself included, that no one in her family did anything to help spread awareness about Jared's case. They wouldn't even call it what it was, which is a murder. They didn't share photos of the truck, and they didn't add any of their millions to the reward fund set up for tips leading to an arrest. And look, I know divorce is a mess. Co-parenting is incredibly difficult. I get that. You don't need to be besties, okay? But your child's father was brutally murdered, and you won't even allow them to attend the funeral or put up a memorial post or something, anything. They won't even call it what it is, which is a murder. They keep calling it an unexpected death or an unexpected tragedy. You won't even call it a murder? I understand that you guys weren't best friends and you don't have the best feelings towards each other, but that's still your kid's dad and you said he was a great dad. So like, I guess I'm just not seeing why you would need to be so strange about it. So the company that Shelly and Sterling Garner own is called Stampin' Up! And it's an MLM-style company that sells scrapbooking-type things. They have their demonstrators host parties to sell the paper stuff. Think like Pampered Chef if you were alive in the 90s, but instead of Tupperware, it's like scrapbooking and paper craft things. Anyways, they have lots and lots of money because of this MLM. And after Mario was arrested, they sent an email to their salespeople who they refer to as demonstrators. So (laughs) the demonstrators got this email, quote, Stampin' Up! is aware that Mario Fernandez, Shanna Gardner's current husband, has been arrested in conjunction with an ongoing investigation. Shanna, Shelley and Sterling's daughter, and Mario have been separated for an extended period of time. We understand that some demonstrators have received troubling comments about this matter on their social media platforms. Please feel free to delete comments of an inappropriate nature and block slash report those comments on your personal accounts. End quote. In that email... They conveniently left out the part about Mario being arrested for murder of their ex-son-in-law, among other charges. It's astounding, truly. From what I've read on the Justice for Jared B. Instagram page, Shanna's sister is actually the CEO of the company, so I doubt that the person writing that email or the people who own this company are learning about Mario's arrest from the media. Not only are they not going to acknowledge any of the tragedy that happened with their grandkids' dad. They also were saying that Shanna and Mario had been separated for a period of time, which isn't exactly the truth, is it? Because there were photos of them smiling and laughing together only a few months before he was arrested, and they certainly were together and posting happy, happy, smiling vacation photos together in the weeks after Jared's death. So whether or not they are separated, they were together when he was murdered, okay? And I actually, to be fair, do feel really bad for the demonstrators who were getting mean comments that have no idea what's going on. And they're like, I'm just here trying to sell cute paper goods and now you're yelling at me. So for those people, I I feel bad. And I understand that that was probably very jarring if they didn't know the full situation. However, some of these demonstrators acted in a way that was truly mind boggling to watch. I saw some of this unfold on social media and was flabbergasted by the reaction 
So there were a lot of demonstrators that were posting screenshots of the email, calling out how ridiculous it was, and then putting videos of them like throwing away their Stampin' Up! products, which was fabulous. But then there were the other people who went out of their way to attack Kirsten through the Justice for Jared B. Instagram page. Kirsten said on Instagram that people were messaging her, saying that she was being unfair posting that email and screenshots of Shelly's blog. And I'm sure that there was much more to it, and there were probably a lot more nasty things than that, because people just love to go wild in Instagram DMs. But Kirsten is really classy, unlike some people, and she didn't go into a whole lot of detail about what exactly these idiots were messaging her. Sorry, but it's idiotic, it is, to message the grieving widow of a man who was murdered and the company owner's son-in-law has been charged with that murder, and you are going to defend them, and then go after Kirsten to defend the owner of the MLM that you peddle paper crafts for? Seriously? That's what you're going to do with your time? Rather than responding to the dozens of messages that she was getting, she put up one story that said, quote, Rather than coming at me for pointing out what Stampin' Up! did, weird, distasteful email, how about you ask the CEO or spokeswoman and co-founder why on their public blog that openly promotes Stampin' Up! they have photos of a murderer all over it. The murderer with the children of the man, Jared, who was murdered by their son-in-law. Why they haven't asked the public for help solving this case for the sake of Liam and Abby. So many questions you should direct to them, not me. Kirsten is my hero. May we all be as brave and badass as she is. Again, I wish that she didn't even have to be in that position in the first place. Um, but also, you can see all of these different screenshots on the Justice for Jared B. Instagram page. Kirsten has everything organized in the story highlights. All of the case updates and things of that nature are categorized. So take a look at those for sure. So for now, that is where things sit. There are still big things that have to happen in this case. Hopefully some more arrests court trials, etc. So until there are more updates, go and follow the Justice for Jared B. Instagram page that will be linked along with the Bright Again Foundation website and go donate if you can, uh, or you can show your support for totally free by following and leaving kind comments on the Justice for Jared B. Instagram. I know I've said it a lot, but Kirsten and the whole Brightigan family truly have been through unimaginable hell and still find ways to care for and uplift others, and it is truly inspiring. Um, and I'm so glad that this case is moving forward. The detective work has been phenomenally done. And I truly wish that every case was treated with as much love and respect from law enforcement as Jared's case has been. It seems like the Jacksonville PD, state's attorney, and the ATF have done some really incredible, hardworking, above and beyond work on this case. And I hope that they do that for everyone. I hope that everyone is treated that way when they do have a case like this in Jacksonville. I wish it wasn't even necessary that anyone had to do that amount of work or go after people like this, but here we are, you know? Thank you so much for being here for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcasts, and I will talk to you very soon. Until next time, I guess never defend an MLM at the cost of attacking innocent victims, which is something I never should have to say, but apparently that is not something that is known by everyone innately based on what we saw in this case. Seriously, mind-boggling. Anyways, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.